Episode 4 in a series of podcasts of the Women's IP World Magazine. We started in Mexico, then traveled to Zimbabwe, then Madrid, and now we're settling into Haiti. We are celebrating and shining the spotlight on women working in intellectual property law and innovation. I'm your host, Michelle Katz, and I'm the co-founding partner of the law firm Advitum IP, which in Latin means intellectual property for life. And we are based out of the U.S. in Chicago. Me and my firm are hosting this podcast on behalf of Northens Media PR and Marketing Limited, based out of the UK in London. They are the publishers of the Women's IP World Annual and the Global IP Matrix Magazine. In today's show, we have the pleasure of speaking with Vanessa Abdelrazak, a partner of the law firm ePoint. She's lived in France, Spain, and the Caribbean, and naturally speaks French, Spanish, and English fluently. We will be discussing her recent article in the Women's IP World Annual Magazine entitled Women and Law, Experiences and Lessons, which is now available to read and in audio format at www.womensipworld.com. Again, that's www.womensipworld.com. Before we dive into your latest piece, Vanessa, which I'm really looking forward to. Tell us when and why you lived in so many places and how you ended up in Haiti to build your career and family. Hello, Michelle. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure for me to be here. And that's a very, very good question. I get it <laughs> often because especially, you know, when I'm traveling, when they see uh, my name, because I don't have a typical French or Haitian name. So I get that question often. So I'm actually, I'm half Haitian and half Arab, actually Palestinian. So my father is Palestinian Lebanese. Um, I lived in Spain for many years because that's where my, my parents met. My parents, both of, both of my parents studied medicine in, in Madrid. And that's where I was con conceived and born. And I came back to Haiti. My mom is Haitian. I came back to Haiti um, in my preteen years, and so in Haiti, as you know, we speak the, the, the official language is uh, French and Creole, and I've traveled often to the States. I guess, you know, as children, we, we pick up languages very easily, so the English part, I think I picked it up in school, television, with friends. <laughs> wow. I mean, it sounds like quite a romance, too, <laughs> your parents. Um, so, so is that, so the Abdul Razak name, is that your father's, is that, That's a, my, yes, it is my father's name. Yes. I see. Okay. So that explains that. And so did you, you did spend time living in France as well? Yes. Yeah, so I did study in France and, um, so I lived there doing my studies because usually, you know, it's the, for Haitian attorneys, since we're 
we have the same legal system as them. So once we have our license here from Haiti, um, we go there for, you know, for a master's degree or a specialization. So that's what I did myself. And I spent a couple of years there studying. And so in, in Haiti, um, since there's such a French, you know, Creole French mm-hmm. influence, is it civil law that's practiced mm-hmm. in Haiti? Yes, yes. So okay. it's civil law, just like in France. And we still have, we still use the 1825 Napoleon Civil Code. Wow, um, okay. Yes, um, we haven't, you know, um, updated it um, often. So it's still what we're using right now. And we have, we've been trying to, here in Haiti, to, you know, update certain laws. But a lot of our um, judicial um, corpus um, of laws are from, you know, that era. We have one state, mm-hmm. as you're probably aware, Louisiana, mm-hmm. yeah. that practices civil law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other than that, um, co- common law over here. Yes. Um, so I want to um, jump into your article. Mm-hmm. Uh, what caught my eye uh, was the big, bold, blue quote <laughs> that's there that says, a legal system hostile to women. I think that many of us women in the practice of law around the world have faced tremendous challenges based on gender, worked harder, and continuously fought to obtain our positions today. I want to hear from you. Tell us uh, about this hostility that you faced. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, I feel I, I like to talk about it. I think it's very important to, to say it and acknowledge it. Because definitely us women, we, we do, like you said, work more. And in order to be recognized, you know, like as our peers, men, you know, we do have to do more. So like I said in my, my article, I always remember those challenges that I still face as a women attorney. I mean, it's a world, it's a men's world. <laughs> it's a men's profession. So when I, I mean, when I get to court, when I get to court, Often I'm the only woman. You know, the judges are men, the other attorneys are men, the the other officers of the court are men, and they. The, when I say it's hostile, is because often they don't see you as a professional, but they see you first as a woman. So sometimes I, I, and I think it's the same for many other women. We we're perceived as maybe aggressive because we're so strict on certain things and we have to because you know then there's a limit that that's not respected because often you know for example with my colleagues they'll be very very nice and very courteous that's you know we accept that but sometimes it's too much to me you know and i want when we get into a room we when we get to a meeting we want to be respected as you know the professionals that we are and not as women so i don't want to be um, having um, special treatment because I'm a woman or being, you know, considered um, not as efficient as my men colleagues. And in Haiti, it's something that happens very, very often. So you do have to put your guards, guards up because of that. Yeah. So why don't we go back a little bit? Why don't you tell us about what is, what is it like in, in Haiti between genders mm-hmm. like what are the ex- are, are there certain expectations I mean, it sounds like there's maybe a bit of machismo mm-hmm. um like how, how would you describe it is definitely um 
the word, like you said, machismo, it's, it's very present, even though, you know, we have a lot of um, women associations and there's a lot of lobbying and advocacy, you know, for women's rights and, you know, equal gender treatment, equal pay, etc. Um, but there's still, still that in that little um, underneath, you know, reactions or attitudes where you know that, you know, the difference is made between a man and a woman. And often that's the most difficult thing to get rid of because, you know, it's engraved in people's mentality. And uh, it's something that is very present in Haiti. Very present in Haiti because, I mean, women, I would say like myself, and I don't, I consider myself a feminist, although it's very, you know, that label, it's very, it's not well perceived here in Haiti, um, but I also, you know, my, I, I make it a, a duty, you know, to change the mentality and say, you know, being a feminist is not only a women's thing. It's everybody's, you know, um, responsibility because, you know, the world is made of men and women. And if we want a better world, we have to be, you know, be treated equal. But it, it is the mentality, even growing up, you know, um, boys have more opportunities and if this is at this, you know all social levels i must tell you you know yeah. um it's girls are either either very covered or you know they perceive as not being able to do certain things so when you come out and being very strong having a strong character then you're characterized as a, you know aggressive or you're not you know you're not aligning <laughs> to the normal um circumstances Certainly, uh, and I do think that happens to some degree worldwide, obviously, uh -huh. in different degrees. Because if I maybe said a, a something in particular, and a male in the legal context, right, mm -hmm. um, say with an adversary, and some uh, a male maybe said the exact same words, but in his voice, we may there would be different adjectives perhaps described about my approach versus the the male approach. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, that is something that to be mindful of, but also, you know, how, how do we overcome that? Mm -hmm. So that is a, a challenge that I, I feel like we do face. It is, it is. Uh, most definitely. We're going to take a quick break and we will continue this discussion in a moment. The Women's IP World Annual is the industry's first intellectual property law magazine that celebrates professional women working in IP, IP law, and innovation globally. We are very proud to provide a profile platform for women working in intellectual property and innovation by shining a spotlight on their expertise and professional knowledge in their respective fields of operation in IP through engaging thought leadership content. Our annual publication has caught the eye of many IP associations from all over the world. More importantly, it has attracted a cocktail of awe-inspiring, knowledgeable women who are happy to share their professional and personal experiences of working in the industry. If you would like to be part of the Women's IP World Annual, we would love to shine a light on your professional industry experience. You can contact us on plus 44-0203-813-0457 or email us at info at womensipworld.com. Make sure to check out the latest issue of the Women's IP World Annual at www.womensipworld.com. The Women's IP World Annual. We are celebrating women in IP, 
IP law and innovation globally. So your article says a female lawyer must prove herself. And I read that and I go, isn't that the truth? You know, several years back, uh, I was I was attending a networking event, you know, in person when we used to do those sort of things. And the group was uh, only women business owners, mm -hmm. but across industries. I was the only attorney. So there were people in all different backgrounds. And one of the women in the group, she had owned her own construction business for 20 years. Okay, so she's very well versed and successful if she's still around, mm -hmm. right? Um, and <laughs> she said, she goes, and yet still, I have to prove myself to every new client that she can do the job. It is true. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get your comments on that and from your experience. It is it is totally true. And, and that's something that, I mean, I think maybe that we have to work on ourselves um, to, you know, impose ourselves and not thinking that um, we need to do more. Um, myself, it was the case. I mean, I always, I mean, I've, I've always been, a, I could consider myself, I was a good student. I always, you know, had good grades, but I was always trying to be the best. <laughs> and it was funny because when I got into the professional world, um, I would see, I mean, I would stress about certain things and, you know, making sure I was prepared. And I would see my colleagues, you know, like, oh, relax, you know, everything's going to be okay. I'm like, oh my God, it, why is it that I feel that way? And when, you know, you, you feel so self, um, how do you say it? You, you feel concerned. You, you feel that you have to be the best version, the best person, you know, come up with the best um, sentences, the best of articles. And in reality, I mean, you're already doing good. You're already being good. And like, even in my studies, I remember I, I, it was never enough. I mean, I like studying. I love learning. But at a certain point, it was always, you know, I was trying to, it was like, it's, it's like you're competing all the time. You feel like you're always competing because you have to, you know, be on top and, you know, do better. Because you're a woman, you feel that you need to have those degrees. You need to have, to, to have those accolades and make sure that, you know, it balances out. It's like you want to balance it out because since I'm a woman, okay, I need to have that to prove that I'm able and I'm competent. But, and um, even if it's not mentioned, right, you absolutely. might wonder what's going on in their minds yes. when they're addressing you versus somebody else. Right? Yes, who, yes. Who and, 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 it's, and it's definitely some, I, I, there's two parts of it, you know, making sure, you know, trying to change the mentality. But also, mm -hmm. I think us as women, we need to, to change that um, that the way we do things, you know, because it doesn't. We don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect because our counterparts are not always perfect. So um, definitely, and it's. I mean, it's so stressful because we also have that, you know, work and home balance to do and that's another thing michelle another question that i i always hate when they ask me how do you manage how do you manage i mean yes i manage i mean it's both are part of my life i'm a mom i'm a i'm a lawyer but men never get that question <laughs> oh i can't tell you how many times i've been at conferences and i would ask so who's watching your children 
Oh my God, I like, hate well, that I question. Mean, you ask your Avail colleagues the same question? I don't think exactly. so. Yeah, no, I, I totally can empathize. I can, I can empathize with that. And I know that you've wor you worked at a couple firms and then you decided to strike out on your own and start your own mm -hmm. firm. So can you tell us a little bit about your career path? Yes, yes. Um, well, I started, as I, I mentioned in my article, I, I worked at a renowned firm here in Haiti and it was a great experience. Um, I stayed there for about four years and then I had a, a period of, you know, uncertainty what I was thinking, did I want to pursue because I, I really, there was a field of law that I really wanted to go and study and I actually went back. <laughs> I went back to study and I went back to France and that time, that second time that I went, going back to what we're saying, yes, I wanted to do it, but I, I felt like, you know, I was involved in that field and I felt that I needed to have that degree. So I actually went back with my kids. So at that time, I already had my two kids and I went back to France to do a, a, another master's degree. And when I came back, I felt like, okay, so what do we do? <laughs> I was a consultant in, 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 in public law here, and I was really unsatisfied. I mean, the, in Haiti, sometimes, I mean, if you really, I'm, I'm sure you've heard um, news about Haiti, political instability, and sometimes it's difficult, you know, to move forward with certain projects. And I felt that I wasn't giving, I mean, I wasn't being, as effective as I wanted at that moment in that particular um, field. And I decided that I wanted to go back to, to private practice. So then um, I did go, I went to, uh, I worked at another law firm that was quite challenging for me and as a woman, because I worked with, with um, older attorneys, um, very experienced and, and people that, you know, that were, um, I would say, um, very known here in Haiti that had a, a huge reputation. So, you know, they had that, that ego meal, I would say. And, but it was a good, it was still a good experience because I, I learned a lot from them and, and I learned how, you know, how difficult it could be, you know, to overcome certain challenges. And after three years of working there, I decided that I had to, I wanted, because that was always my project, you know, to have my own practice. And I went and, and you know, I did the, the, the big step. It was very scary at the beginning because when I started, I mean, I had, I had a portfolio of a few clients. And, but I, I mean, when I moved, I, I had one, one client that promised me a retainer. So I only had that client that said, well, if you open your practice, we'll give you a retainer, a monthly retainer. And that was it. So I moved um, with all the, you know, I mean, when you decide to open your own practice, you have, I mean, you're not only an attorney, you you, you have to get involved in administration, your accounting, everything. You have to do marketing, everything is on you. And the first years, I that was a choice. Also, I didn't. I, I was I was the only attorney at my firm. I had um, you know uh, administrative um, uh, collaborators, and only this year I did. Two years ago, I decided to open up and you know have other attorneys um, come to the firm, and 
Vanessa, when when did you when did you go off on your own? When did you start? I went on my own in 2015. 2015. Okay. And then so so for for two years or so, you were pretty much on your own. I was on my own. Help. It yeah. was a one-woman one one woman show. So, yeah, with, you know, you keep changing your hats with every email yes. or phone call you take. Okay, this is a marketing-related call. This is accounting-related <laughs> call. Got it. Oh, well, you got to be a lawyer, too. Um, kids kids are calling in. Yes. Uh, they got their mom hat. I see. Everything. And, I, and I relate, and I think a lot of the listeners can 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 relate mm -hmm. as well. Even if not them, themselves, they mm -hmm. they certainly know they know people who who are living that life. And during mm -hmm. the pandemic, uh, as we talked about just just before the f podcast, you know the challenges uh, we faced during e learning mm -hmm. with with that and running a firm, as you know, because I run my own firm too. Yes. And um, yeah, so. That that has some um, that has had its challenges, but yet we we get it done, right? We get it done. We always get it done. <laughs> and so, at some point uh, along the way, I know that you collaborate or have joined ePoint. Mm -hmm. um, so, if you could just tell us a little bit about that, and um, yeah. just a quick shout out before you do, Gabriella uh, Bowden cool. and Aaron Montero, uh, who are now colleagues of yours, I have known them for certainly well over a decade uh they have been friends so when i saw uh that news and in the article just a quick shout out to them <laughs> yes so we started that collaboration and they're they're wonderful people we've met um um about a little bit more than two years ago and definitely as you know um ePoint is a, a ip law firm you know um, servicing clients all over latin america and the Caribbean and there was I mean on my side there was a need you know to open up to on the IP field to open up to the international and they did want to have a presence here in Haiti so you know um, we established that partnership I'm giving a, also a shout out to my partner because I have a partner in this Leila Harper Dominic that's been instrumental in this partnership so since then, so we've been ePoint Haiti for the IP matters. And and now having a partner, and I, I too uh, have a partner, and I, I started my law firm with a partner, mm -hmm. and I find that to be so helpful to yes. bounce ideas off of. Typically, we have an idea, and it's better after we have talked it through together. So what has been for you since you started uh, quite literally alone and now you have uh, Layla, mm -hmm. then um, how has that benefited? Yeah, it's been wonderful. As you said, I mean, we manage, we do when we have to, uh, you know, step up and do everything, we do it. But on another side, having someone else you can talk to, you can discuss certain matters and, you know, you can have every, each, you know, each person having a specific, um, specific task you know and knowing that you can depend on someone else and that person can depend on you it's 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 wonderful i mean we work very efficiently and that's you know that's one of our objectives i mean here in haiti we have um well-established law firms that 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 have been practicing you know in it field uh, for many years and we're coming you know to disrupt <laughs> the established um IP world in Haiti, you know, our, our goal is to provide, you know, top-notch um, 
um, service. Um, it's very, you know, we live in a country that's, you know, very difficult. I mean, working with um, the public institutions, it's it's not easy. Us as attorneys, we do a lot of more work. We don't have, I mean, besides our legal work, we do have to, you know, move forward and do a little bit more in order to get the, the files moving. So that's our aim, you know, to make sure that we're able to provide, you know, like an international standard service here in Haiti for in our international clients. And you're the you're the Haitian disruptors. You use yes, the word disruptor. Yes. So I, <laughs> Haitian, I love it. And one other thing, yes, because yeah. and one yeah. thing that like when you at the beginning when you mentioned the fact that um I speak several languages, I mean it's been I mean, I've never in my in my practice, it's been something that's been so useful. And even now in the IT world, I've never I mean, I'm so grateful for that because it makes a big difference being able to speak to someone in their native language. And there aren't many attorneys here in Haiti that are able to do that. So, you know, for the Hispanic speaking clients, um, English also, I mean. A lot of people speak English you know, here in Haiti, but it's, it makes a big difference when you're able to communicate you know, fluently and be able to relate to your client because, you know, you know where they're coming from, you, you live there or you know the culture a little bit more. So that's been um, very helpful. Leila also is, she's Haitian Canadian. So she has that, she's worked, you know, in the um, legal world in Canada also. So we have that, that's what I think that differentiates us a lot from our other colleagues here in Haiti. Absolutely. That seems to separate you from other law firms and contribute to the success that you've had over a relatively short amount of time, yes. which, is, which is great to hear. And congratulations Thank on your success. You. And success is very personal uh, to people, uh, I think, for, for many of us. How does your success affect you? I mean, honestly, um, I've, you know, I never, I only realize it after. <laughs> I never, while we're doing it, you never realize that you're actually, you're well, who's, who's got time, Vanessa? Who's got time to sit back and think of all their accomplishments? Yeah. <laughs> right? As a, as a working mom? I mean, so you don't have time, but definitely when you look back, I mean, I've been doing like this year, you know, during the pandemic, you know, it gave us time to think a lot, you know, you know, we, we, we were hit with something that was so unexpected and we had to think about ways, you know, to improve our service, to keep working despite all those challenges. And then you realize like, oh my God, five years ago, here's what I was doing and what, here's what I'm doing today. So um definitely i think it's important to you know take a pause once in a while and realize you know stop bashing yourself and say you know not being satisfied you know for one thing because when you look at the global and the overall you know situation we all accomplish a lot and that's been my case um i think it's important to surround yourself with the right people because sometimes they're the ones that make you realize what you've accomplished in my case, that's what it is because I'm not the type of person to be saying, you know, I did this, I did that. And, the, you know, I have other people, you know, they push me up like, look, look what you did. Um, you know, tap, can tap your back. It's, you're doing well. Keep going. 
So that's very important. And like I said in my article also, you know, you don't have to don't, I mean, right now with social media and everything, you know, having information so accessible and it's so important to, you know, set your own goals. You know, you don't have to measure your success to other people's successes. I mean, what they're doing is good, but you don't have to try all the time to be competing or, you know, and thinking that if you're not there yet, um, you're a failure. Everything you're doing, you know, everyone has their own path and all, everyone has their own rhythm, their own circumstances. And, you know, make sure that you acknowledge that, you know, every step of the way and keep going. <laughs> I agree. And, and this has been a great pause to reflect on your successes and what challenges you've overcome. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so it, it's wonderful, Vanessa. Thank you for participating in today's podcast. I really encourage everyone to read Vanessa's article. It's really inspiring. And it shows how, how far the legal environment has come. Um, she mm -hmm. gives specific examples of laws that I would agree were hostile mm -hmm. to women and those changes and in what years. And I think some of those will be surprising to you and compare them to to those same sort of rules, uh, laws in your own countries. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show and to our listeners. Please like, follow, share with your friends, but also feel free to send comments and questions. Until we connect in person, take good care, everyone. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you, everyone. The Women's Eye World. The Women's Eye World. You have been listening to the Women's IP World Annual Podcast, hosted by Michelle Katz from Advitum IP in Chicago, on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. We have now started the research and selection process for the Women's IP World Annual 2022. Please make sure to contact us today if you would like to be profiled or share your industry stories and experience at plus 44 or email info at womensipworld.com.